Wouldn't you love to be coached by Kenny? Not just the players, but the whole crowd. Imagine what that's going to be like tonight. We've got a lot to do to get to that point. Crunch time is for the Berwick Motor Group. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC, part of the Berwick Motor Group and Ozito, powering DIYs all day, every day at Bunnings. Jared Waitley with you at the MCG. Luke Hodges in place. Hodgie made you laugh, didn't he, Kenny? <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes me uh, very, very keen for that game, especially when uh, you've got 1v2 playing. Kenny's up and about. He's poking right back at Collingwood. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But, look, last night, um, from what it sort of lived up early on, I think we had two teams last night that had to prove to others but also had to prove to himself that they can beat other top eight teams. Both, both sides had only beaten one other top eight team so far this year. And, Look, by, by the look of it early on, that Essendon rebounded and, and they were wanted to make up for, for their performance last week against Geelong. But as we saw, the, the doggies led by the midfield with Bont and Libba were just too strong and, and overrun them late. It was rather stark by the end. Hello to you, Dermot Brereton. Good morning, all the gentlemen here. Uh, I, was, I came away from the game last night and thought, the doggies proved to us what they are. And until they do something extraordinary, we have to believe that. And that is... They are inconsistent. They got blown away in the centre of the ground in the first quarter, which is, and for no apparent reason, I mean, they're good players the, the, in the midfield for Essendon, but the Dogs' midfield is seriously good. Thereafter, they took control and we got the result we thought we were going to get, but for some unknown reason, they just couldn't match them in the midfield in the first quarter. So the result was what we thought, but it mirrored the dog season. There's moments where we say, why aren't they better? Uh, they got hold of them in the end. It was a good struggle. Quarters two and three was a, a very good struggle between the two teams. But I agreed with um, uh, Scotty that by the last quarter, they had three or four lads that looked like they'd done pre-season, played every game, and started to look like they were tired and hoping for the final flag to, to go up. Yeah, if, if it weren't for the fact that they play West Coast and North Melbourne in consecutive weeks, you would be, uh, you'd be pretty downcast on their fortunes. But those two games sit there, and that's been part of the discussion of the whole week, is it's such a profound advantage on the way in to have two of those in your last five. Sam Edmund rounds out our quartet. Hello to you, Sam. Great to be here, everyone. Really going to enjoy today. I think the sun uh, is blasting through the Marvel Stadium roof. Yeah, I'm with you guys. They, they look tired, and the coach put that on the record. So expect to see some changes, I think, at Essendon training during the week as, as they look to find that balance, don't they, between developing and, and working on their craft, as the coach says, and then being as fresh as they possibly can on game day. The, those that aren't injured look a bit sore and sorry. Now, they're going to lose Jordan Ridley, who's been one of the shining spots of their season with it with a quad strain uh, a couple of weeks after that hyper-extended knee. So it's a shame because he's been massive for the Bombers this year. I, I can't help but think, and I know that we do our pre-seasons and, and, and players start, you know, in October, and we say, this team's a month ahead of the mm. other one that went deep into the finals, and by round two or three, that team that started a month earlier seems to be a fitter team. But by the end of the year, when it all catches up, I can't help but think someone like Chris Scott, who gives Geelong players, the, the mature players, their head, a bit of leeway. Luke, you know that, that Isaac went down there and he loves it because he's, he's treated like a mature statesman of the mm. game who can have a little bit of time off if he's minding the kids that day. But it's up to him to, to remain fit. Will we get a coach who actually says, you know what, the human body... <laughs> 
shouldn't be in trauma this fit for this long. Maybe we should start pre-season training the first week of January. I know the seasons are getting longer and they're starting earlier, but maybe there might be, because the seasons are so long, we might get a coach who says, well, we'll play a little bit of catch-up for the first two or three weeks, and if we can bank a couple, it's worth food for thought because some teams, like Essendon last night, look like they were playing game 30 for the year. I think if you look at that, Geelong have been such a dominant team and such an experienced team led by a lot of really good leaders. Um, so they do have the flexibility because their bodies are hardened to AFL football. If you look at the, the Essendon Football Club, they're still a young list. If you looked across the list out there last night, they're young, they're still learning. And that's what they need to build on. And that's what the preseason's for. Yes, you'll fatigue towards the end of this year, but the more they do it, the longer they do it. They will turn out like a Geelong Football Club if they, if they can stick around. But look, I also felt their tactics went against them late. I liked them early. So you're coming up, and the mindset it looked like early from Essendon was you're coming up against a more superior midfield. Their stoppage work is second in the competition. Essendon's is 18th. How can we take that away from them? And their tactics early was let's keep the ball off them. So they will switch in from one side. They will switch in. They had plus, I think, 30 or close to um, more marks than what Bulldogs had in the first quarter. And for 48 does, marks in the first quarter. First quarter, yeah, I think it was plus 22 more than what, than what um, the Bulldogs did. But then what happens there is you've got to work for it. So you're switching from one side, you're switching to the other side. What are your midfields doing? What are your wingers doing? What are your high half forwards? You're working from one side to create an option. Once it goes back, you're working to the other side. And even though it looked really good and it sort of caught Bulldogs by surprise, as soon as the Bulldogs tighten that up and stop the switching... That sort of stop that that softened their their game style, and by the end of it, the the bombers are out in their feet because of all the work that they put into trying, I guess, outplay and outsmart the doggies, which worked for a quarter. But then Bevo was smart enough to to tighten up on that, which got it back into a contested game in the middle, and, and that's where Bonton and Libba really took control. Their run in Essendon is Sydney at Marvel, then West Coast and North Melbourne both at Marvel. Giants away and Collingwood at the MCG. So the last two are extremely mm. difficult. Not quite sure what of Sydney just yet. We'll get a better picture after they play again against Frio. And they only beat North Melbourne with the last passage of play when they met them earlier in the year. Just coming back to that fatigue concern as well, like you're saying, Dave, I reckon it's more um, relevant when you've got a new coach coming in as well because they're almost starting again, aren't they? The big development. We might be seeing it at St Kilda at the moment with Ross Lyon. They start early, they start hard, and they go hard. And it might just be that come the back end of the season, you know, the, the kids are going to get tired, they're younger groups as well as you, as you touch on. It might just be, hopefully not for their sake, but the season going just a few weeks too long. We, we see swings in change in, 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 in season and we see coaches make subtle changes to the way that they guide their club. And there's no doubt that, as Luke says, yes, some of the senior blokes, well, they know what to do. But ultimately, you want to finish strong, not claw your way to the finals and, and, and claw in there when you're just about spent. And hopefully, the mentality of playing finals will rejuvenate you. The great teams can schedule their journey and they're able to get to the finals, go, right, launch. Actually, they get to the four-week mark out from the finals and go, ready to launch. I'm just wondering whether we us. We are taxing the human body, these young athletes, so much whether we can put a different set of parameters in their seasonal campaign into play so that even they can 
be escalating by week 17, but can you pump? Can you pump the brakes, though, Hodgie? So I think they've got an eight-day break now coming up, uh, Essendon. So can you, can you not pump the brakes, give them a freshen up over a one- to two-week period and then try to get a, a lift again? Or are we, we asking for miracles? I, I, I don't know what you think, Luke, but when you're knackered yeah. over the season, <laughs> you're knackered. Normally when you get the eight-day break is when you put in that extra harder training session, but it's a case-by-case scenario, and if Scotty's already identified that they look fatigued, then it might be a time as a, as a bit of a pullback week, and hopefully they have a bit of a charge towards the end of the season. But I'm, as you're sort of saying to them, if you look through the teams that have been consistently good over the years, Geelong, they've got season bodied. Look at Richmond. Richmond, what they went through in 13, 14, 15, where they got to finals, they looked fatigued and got kicked out and missed finals. By the time they had a charge at 17... 18, 19, 20, they were seasoned players because they'd went through those long seasons where they, long pre-seasons, where they fell away late in the season. That's what teams go through. Hawthorne went through the same. We were, we were, were seasoned, hardened players in 12, 13, 14, 15 because of all the work we did leading up into that. So if you look at a team like Essendon who've just jumped in with a new coach, new game style, they've jumped out of the blocks and played some really good football and they're starting to fatigue. But the longer they stay with the coach, the longer they continue to do this, they'll be hardened and be able to play this for longer. So less about the young in, in Jake Stringer's case. So he mm. sort of was characteristic of it last night. Mm. You were watching him. He was he was limping around quite visibly. So no excuses being offered. But there's that overlay as everyone's got niggles and he's no different. And Brad's got raised the idea as you, you're making judgment calls. Is there benefit in giving a week off and seeing what it looks like after that? Or do you keep going week on week? Yeah, so, so as you know, I, I take my eyes... By the time I think the game is done and I've got 15 minutes left, I take my eyes away from the play and just focus, just watch one play. And I just watched him for what is an eternity in league football, probably three to four minutes, nothing else. Um, and he looks lame. He, he looks like he's a little heavy through the torso. That might be where he's at in his age. I'm not casting aspersions on his on his dedication or anything like that but he looks a little heavy through the torso for somebody who looks like he's putting his feet down fairly softly almost like he's got that heel soreness that a lot of athletes get from over overstressed and overworked I'm not saying it's that that's just what I say it looks like and there might be another niggling injury there but to me that that lad the number one uh, benefit uh, the one wood he has is he has explosive movement. That's his, that's his, the best thing in his game. He doesn't have that now. He does not have any explosive straight line or sideways. And he does have that when he's fully fit, both. He doesn't have that right now. The five minutes into that game, I thought he's, he's the man who's come to play. He had the most impact. He got that first clearance. He was getting, he was getting stuck into Libba, had three or four touches really early on the thought well hang on they're up and the about they want to make amends yes yeah. the f- and, and then from that as you said you look at his output over the last the last three weeks he's had eight touches eight touches and i think it was was it six last night uh, after having four in the first 10 10 or so minutes it does it looks like it's a fitness whether it's a it is a niggle or a genuine fitness that he can't have that input and then continue that for the rest of the game where if you look at the other midfielders you go and have a rest at the bench, but then you come back on 10 minutes later and you're, you're right to, to go again and have multiple efforts. He, he just doesn't seem to have that in him. So, Hodgie, pre-game, we were looking at matchups as we do here on SEN, and I thought, thinking the way that he moves, his, his one wood in his game, I thought, what would he pray for? 
he'd pray for an oversized backman who didn't have his agility, couldn't follow him off the mark, couldn't be as good as him on the deck. And I thought, they don't have a match-up for him. The only person who can match him with that agility isn't as powerful as him. It'll be someone like Bailey Dale. They try to keep him away from the dangerous ones. It'll be someone like Ed Richards. They like his runoff halfback. So you're going to have to play one of, of Gardner, um, Keithy or, or Bruce, Brucey on him. He's going to get exactly what he wants. He will exploit this matchup. And it never happened. No, it, uh, it didn't. So that sits with Essendon. It's, we're a little way on from the assumptions that they were going to be winning their first final in, in a long time, which uh, was colouring their progress uh, a few weeks back. On the Bulldog side of things, I, I really liked listening to Luke Beveridge's. He had brought the internal pressure. For all of us thinking this was a must-win game, he'd set that up clearly for them as this is the, the night to show your worth. He was... He was the microscope was placed on them. I'm not saying people were saying, you know, the worst type of microscope, but the microscope was placed on them and their game style, the things they do around the football, how they react further afield to it, how they react in certain situations. And it was fairly and squarely placed upon them. And there's probably been two constants in that team. Liber keeps going to the footy and Bont keeps being a star. They're the two constants they've had as the positive this year. Other than that, they've been bit part players time again here then so they needed to respond in some some way and I thought they were a little bit quicker away from stoppage last night they still have that bent to try and find the perfect outlet to a player who's not pressured going away from the the traffic they still have that but I thought by and large for most times they were quicker to get away from stoppage so yeah the microscope was placed on them and they responded albeit only after quarter time my, my biggest thing was the decision to leave Lob out and bring Karmas in. So you, you, you look at that and go, well, English is clearly a, a quality ruckman, but at some stage he's going to have a break. And I think that's in that first quarter, that's where Essendon got on top. You look through the stats, I think when it was Phillips versus English, um, Bulldogs were leading five clearances to three. And then as soon as English had that break, Karmas went into the ruck. That's where Essendon dominated. They had four clearances to zero with those two in the ruck. And you sort of sit back and go, Karmas looks a little bit more energetic than what Lob does, but that's a big downfall to drop away. And after quarter time, you hardly saw Karmas. English had to shoulder most of the rucking contest because they realised that Essendon really got on top. So you sort of look at, you bring Lob in on a three-year deal with a lot of money. Maybe that backup Ruckman is worth throwing him back in there because they really felt short when, when English needed that break early on in the game. The clearance pitcher of the night, Dermot. So uh, Essendon had 11 clearances at quarter time yeah. and only had 15 more for the game. Yeah, got knocked around. Yeah. <laughs> clearance. And, that, and, and that so is... Liberatore at the source and then Bontempelli. So, so Bontempelli is class. He does what he's good at and that's being good. Libba's, what he supplies to this team in the mechanics of this team, he is first in. His nose is in inches from the turf, and he will get to that ball. So he's first in, and that's his function for this team. And he, he took over. He, he basically took over at stoppage after quarter time. Uh, and they did what they do thereafter. Yeah. 
What about so, Bailey Smith's game on return? I, I loved it. And got stronger as the game yeah. went on. He, we were having a bit of a chuckle about some of his decision-making, but that's almost like time in the game because um, he's had a, li- a little spell out. He Tackling just, was good, though. He was fantastic. Yeah. Well, we mentioned that before the game, didn't we? We were just saying what we need to see is unreserved, committed effort to contest. What we saw in the final series where they made the grand final a couple of years ago during COVID, he was running past people to lay tackles. And that, and he, he, he had that commitment last night. So independent of some bad, some poorly thought out decision making uh, situations when going forward with the footy, um, I loved his game. And finished... 25 possessions, 26, 15 in the second half. So finished strong, finished with running. Um, yeah, I thought I was wrapped for the lad. Uh, Tim, does, does that mean... Um, do you know how they were saying he was ill? So, and, and watching him last night, had a week off, maybe that w- it was what was zapping him because he looked like a total different player. You, you're spot on him running past people. The power running that we saw of him in the last few years... That was back last night. His energy, his second effort, some of those tackles where he was smart enough, strong enough to pin an arm and lay him down, not drive him into the ground where he got a few holding the balls from it. Um, yes, there was a few going inside Ford 50s, but I think that's down to him hearing all the noise about his disposal going in. And he overthought it. There was a few times that he had two or three options and he chose the wrong one. And that, that's a bloke who's low on confidence with the ball in hand going inside Ford 50. But as far as someone sitting back just the way it, just to sit back and watch how he was going to respond. I, I think Bevo would be really happy with, with the output he did. As you said, energy in and around the defensive side of his pressure, which he spoke after the game and said, maybe in the past that my main focus was on getting the ball and, and playing as an offensive player where he's tried to have the focus of tackling, pressuring, doing all the stuff away from the ball without the ball in hand, which it was clear last night that that was a clear focus and he, he, he excelled in it. Hodgie, he had... Two centre bounce attendances. I think Bevo would be happy. That kind of answers some of the critics of us here in the media that say, well, he loves to be in the middle. He loves to be in the action. But he's got 20, 25, 26 possessions and only two centre bounce attendances. If he can get that result from only two centre bounce attendances, you, you're probably playing him to the benefit of the team and giving those infield, inside mids those beasts in the middle, there go at the ball in there. Yeah, I think that's what we sort of, with the illness, that is that we saw him back to how he was. So he's played a lot of that half-forward role, but he's had the ability, he's had the, the energy to work up and back. Uh, I, I haven't seen him cover the ground like that in a number of weeks, and maybe this illness that he had, the, the when Bebo said he was lucky that he played two weeks ago, maybe that sort of zapped him for a fair bit because the play that we'd seen the previous month was nothing like we saw last night or what we saw early in the season when, when he had 40 touches and, and looked like the, the Bailey Smith of old. And thankfully the result went their way so that meant that Bevo could go easy with the whiteboards as well. You know, just nurse that mitt back to full health as well, Jerry. They've got a couple of decisions to make. Um, Buku Kamas didn't look a threat as a forward. That's only his first game there in the AFL, and evidently he's been playing well in the VFL. There have been times in his AFL career where he looked every inch an intercept defender, but they've switched portfolios with him. And there's a big question mark on whether Josh Bruce will be able to hold a quality tall. Yes. The thing I would persist with Buku Kamas, as opposed to bringing in Rory and Never met Buku, and I know Rory reasonably well, having worked with him. He's a lovely lad, and I hope he gets his chance again, but I can't bring Rory in on that. 
There was not one ball that went into the forward line of the dogs that didn't get competition from the dogs forwards. Which means that any time that Rory's going for the high ball, he's going to be competing against one of those two other tall forwards. So that says, suggests that there's one too many up there. Yet Karmas, even the one goal he kicked, whether he pushed the bloke in the back into the contest or not, he's still capable at ground level, which Rory is not. You then, so, so for me, it's not a forward issue. It's how much pain do you take in the middle when you balance up the ledger as to can he jump high enough to make a nil-all draw so that Libba has a fighting chance as opposed to being dominated by tap-out that goes completely and utterly to uh, team advantage for the opposition. That's, that's the balancing act there. But I, I was quite happy with him because the two other boys got to everything. So there was no... I can't think of any... Oh, that's an uncontested mark to the back line, to Essendon's back line. Oh, they had to get to that. That's, and that's what you're hoping for Rory because he doesn't move around like the others. But those two got to everything. So to me, that said, that functioned pretty well. He's not a ruckman though, is he? Like, I mean, no, but he that, can that jump. Is, Most second oh, ruckmen aren't. He's asking a lot of him, Buku, to, to ruck. Yeah. I mean, and that was Andrew Phillips last night. I mean, there, there's mm. going to be steeper tests than that going forward. I'm not trying to say just be smart-ass. Yeah. Phillips is a lot better than we in the no, media. of course. Yeah. But you yeah. wouldn't have him in the top handful of rucks in the league, would you? No, but I'd fancy him against probably every other second ruck in the comp. But you so, have to look at what Luke Beveridge was thinking because he's gone in at quarter time after Essendon had ranked number 18 in clearances. Doggies are number two. They're down by five, mm. and he makes yeah. a decision to... Stop your backup Ruckman from going in there. So if you're sitting down this week going, well, who are we picking? Are we going to pick, pick Lobb so we're, got, so we're comfortable that when, we've, when English is off having a rest or we're sitting forward that we're not going to get dominated through the midfield because of the Ruckman who we're picking mm. is a genuine forward or back. Um, they've tried him in both ends of the ground, but that was clear that Luke Beveridge made that decision last night that he didn't feel comfortable with Carms going in as, a, as the second Ruckman and English had to shoulder most of the, the workload. Is that... Will that come into the thought process of the coaches when they have to pick the side this weekend? Because you can't so, go that. You can't expect the English to be rucking at that ninety-eight percent of the game because you don't have confidence in the backup ruckman. So Tim English had seventy-three ruck contests last night. That's that's really high. Once you get to low sixties, that's about your standard across the competition. And Buku had sixteen. I would think if you're capable of getting him to twenty. 20 contests, because Tim English is one of those ruckmen who does like, he really does like 75, 80% of the ruck time on ball. He's, he's like the, the, the next wave of, uh, of Toddy Goldstein. He loves that whole role all the time. But you've got to give him a breather. So if Karmas can get that up to 20 without damage, because I thought a quarter time, I thought Beveridge put the onus back onto Libba and co., and said, you blokes are getting done over in there. I don't, I don't think his read would have been. Karmas wasn't going to do anything extraordinary. He just needed a nil-all draw for, from him. And a couple of occasions he got that, got beaten by clear hit out some other occasions. So you, they've got to change their mindset to, we're not roving to a dominant. Well, you know better than me we're in the mid... In, in the centre bounce. Not roving to a dominant ruckman. We have to revert our starting positions to containment while Buku's on the ball. I think 
what you said then when he's had in the 70s in the hitouts, that's that's a lot of contests. It and is. the fact is, the reason why he had so many is because Phillips versus Karmas, they were four zip against a team that were 18th ranked in, in hitouts this year. So I reckon that they made a clear decision. And that might come into the selection where the lob does get another chance this week or not. Dogs by 41 points over the Bombers last night. Our review of what transpired. Aaron Norton, the spearhead for the Dogs, is about to join us on Crunch Time.